What's up, guys? This is Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Recently on the Winging It Podcast, Vince Carter and Annie Finberg sat down with NBA All-Star Kyle Lowry and recording artist Rotimi. This week, 2017 first overall pick Markel Fultz joins the show to talk about living up to expectations and working his way back from injury in the NBA. Make sure to check out Winging It on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Juliette. I mean, we knew it was going to be our time when Nancy Myers wrote the Modern Love column. So we have to talk about that. Thank you to everyone who reached out to us in our personal lives just to let us know. Yes, yeah, I really, I hadn't had that kind of outreach since Megxit, really, of people just being like, it's your time. It's I, really a lot. Yeah, I felt I, known. I can't wait to discuss. Um, we haven't talked about this. I'm curious to discuss uh, your feelings about the Modern Love column in general. Oh, boy. I think it probably breaks a lot of your personal codes, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. We also will talk about, obviously, some royal news, as per usual, uh, Kanye West back in the New York Times. It's really a New York Times-focused week because they touched on a lot of things we care about in the last few days. Yes. And we want to start by talking about Lady Gaga, who was the subject of a uh, opinion piece by Lindsey Krauss, which the headline, My Ex-Boyfriend's New Girlfriend is Lady Gaga. And then she talked about how weird that is and didn't name her ex-boyfriend one time. Did you notice that? I did. I thought that was classic. <laughs> I did, too. I have to say, so this piece was published last week and it got a lot of attention. I was not looking forward to it. I didn't want to be any part of it. I have a, some really complicated relationships, specifically to the op-ed section of the New York Times, which we don't have to go into right now. All I'll say is just, you know... Make sure you know yourself what news you're getting and who it's from, you know, and and like vote. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't want to read this and I was certain that I was going to hate it and I was really charmed by it. I thought it was pretty great. She included a lot of details that really made it very likable, like just the grapes, the bodega grapes was really mm -hmm. funny. And... It's very, it's very relatable. I mean, no one else really has had the experience that she has. Very few people. But like, you know, learning about your, the people who have once been in your orbit and have since left, like the, what's going on with them via social media, let alone news is so weird. And this is like the extreme version of it. Yeah. Just to give some context. I mean, Juliet read the headline, which does summarize it. My ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend is Lady Gaga. That, that is what happens. But it is about um, a New York Times editor who ex-boyfriend started dating Lady Gaga and she kind of learns about this from people, much like the people texting us about Nancy Myers. Yeah. People start texting her, hey, did you see this? Have you seen this? And it's kind of watching a part of her life play out totally dissociated from her. And I think she does a good job of crystallizing that kind of social media experience of watching things that are connected to you but aren't and both the intimacy and the distance that a situation like this can create. And I think she also, she really lands it because at the end she finally starts talking about Lady Gaga. And for the most part, it's about her experience, which I think in this case is a good thing. She's not bad-mouthing anybody. No. And she's not talking about what her ex-boyfriend did. She's really talking about this weird, like, digital social experience that she's having. But at the end... She kind of acknowledges the natural impulse that anyone would have of comparing themselves to their former partner's new partner. And instead of being like, 
this was really hard for me. She's just like, I'm taking lessons from Lady Gaga, who is great. And now I will also, you know, I will be an independent, ambitious woman like Lady Gaga. And I was like, oh, good for you. That's, I didn't expect the ending. I thought it was clever. I thought it was, you know that I wouldn't like anything too self-indulgent. Sure. Um, But I I was impressed. The other thing that she touched on, which I think has become a major fulcrum which many people's days rest but mm-hmm. is not as discussed as it should be mm-hmm. is looking at who's viewed your Instagram story. Yeah. And she points out that Lady Gaga's boyfriend has looked at her Instagram story of her and her fiancé. Yeah. And it was just, it was like such a great little touch and it's something that's so universal. I think why it worked so well as we're both getting at is she took something incredibly specific and turned it into a universal sort of like trend piece in the best way possible. Sure. And also something that is very tabloid friendly. I mean, Lady Gaga is in the headline. We know why, because people will click on anything with Lady Gaga and turn something that you could expect to go in kind of a a gross or invasive way and turned it into something both personal and educational and universal. The funny thing about Gaga is the subhead of this is how do you compare yourself with one of the most famous women in the world? I know she's really famous, but I don't think of her as one of the most famous people in the world. Do you think that's because she hasn't been around for a while? Or do you think that that's because you think of Gaga more as like a phenomenon and an art project than a person? I think it's a lot of that. She okay. she she presents herself as an art project, which I think is cool, actually, yeah. obviously. I, I'm a Gaga fan. And I, I I am not a fan, but I appreciate Gaga. And I think that that is part of her skill that she has created herself as like a living pop star art project, celebrity sociological study. Yeah. And she, like the human Stephanie, feels so separate from Lady Gaga Mm -hmm. that I don't think of it in the same way. And I remember when The Star Is Born first went into production, it was like starring Stephanie Germanata. And then by the time it actually came out, it was starting Lady Gaga. Yes, because it needed to sell tickets. It's (laughs) the same reason that she's in the headline of this piece. It's because people know who Lady Gaga is. But yeah, I guess it is Lady Gaga as a brand as opposed to a person. And then when you then go, obviously, and Google Lady Gaga boyfriend 2020, and you like see the pictures of Mm -hmm. her and her boyfriend, the ex of Lindsey Krauss, it's so funny because he just looks like a, a handsome regular guy. Yeah. And it's li- with Lady Gaga. And you're just like, this is so, it's just so weird. Lady Gaga is very unique, I guess. And I feel like this brought it into focus for me. Yeah. I guess she has created a character separate from her existence, which I, I think all pop stars do. Yeah. But, you know, it's like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce and uh, people need to create some distance because obviously, well, all personalities of performance, but we don't really even need to go there. Pop stars yeah. are a performance. And so I think that she has done a pretty remarkable job of creating this other idea separate from her to the point that it's like you don't think about your teacher having a um, life after school. Totally. You know, you don't think of like Lady Gaga having a life after being Lady Gaga, but she does. I presume the answer is no, but did you ever watch her Netflix documentary? I didn't, no. I think it's called like five foot two or something like that. It's called like okay. I, I thought it was five foot four is what I was. Five foot four. Let's find out right now, Lady <laughs> Gaga, and how because if you just made her shorter, that would be funny. Or if I made her taller, Netflix doc. I mean, no shots. I I I watched the doc. Five foot two. You were right. Yes. Okay. And um, I, I I don't know why we had to Google that. Of course, you were right. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Um. Anyway, in it, she does try to like present Stephanie. Hmm. But it doesn't really work. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
I don't know where the line between Gaga and Stephanie exists. I don't know if Lady Gaga even has one. I don't I don't know the answer to that, but it's something that I hadn't really thought about until reading this article and like looking at the pictures of her and her like civilian mm-hmm. husband or civilian boyfriend essentially. Yeah. She just doesn't and have a lot of ones. And to you're not interested to. in what the other I've given up on Stephanie. I used to really want to know who Stephanie was, okay. and I thought that Stephanie was, like, being hidden behind Lady Gaga. But I think Lady Gaga has so much agency in her career now that I, like, have stopped caring. So you're okay with it, and you don't need—you don't have the curiosity about the other person. Yeah. Lady Gaga is fully formed enough for you. Yeah. I, I think this is, like, almost like a singular celebrity experience for me. I, there's not a lot of people I feel this way well, about. I was going to say, I think that's really healthy and good <laughs> and, like, how we should engage with celebrities. And I don't feel that way at all. Um, but but that's not that's not any failure of Lady Gaga or you or anyone else. That's my gross failure. And I, I mean, we talk about this a lot is that I never really liked their performance. It's, yeah. it's for the same reason that reality TV is kind of like these people want to be on TV and they yeah. are putting on a show to an extent. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about this. So I want this super invasive form of celebrity, which is bad. That's bad. <laughs> that makes me a bad person. No, it doesn't. Well, I mean, it is. I think it's human nature to some sure. extent. But if we're trying to be conscious of the way that we engage with these people, like that, that's a gross, unhealthy yeah. um, way. And I think that investing with someone on the terms that they want to present themselves, and especially as an artist, because Lady Gaga is doing a lot. Like, yeah. there is plenty to invest with, uh, with Lady Gaga, the artist and pop star. She's putting it all a lot out there. That's probably healthier. Yeah. Right. For, for me uh, and her and for the world. I think it's just it's just interesting. Like there's not a lot of people like her out mm-hmm. there. And we right before we started recording, we were listening to or we were talking about her new song, Stupid Love, which this is um kind of well time with. So good job, New York Times. It's been a few days of Gaga and they yeah. they've nailed it. Um Stupid Love, it's written by Blood Pop, um, Chami, I think that's his name, and Max Martin and a couple others, but Crucially, Max Martin's now involved. And she talked to Zane Lowe, who is, you know, just an internal fan of, um, on Friday when the song came out about how she had really resisted working with Max Martin for a long time because she was like, I produce and write my own songs. Like, I'm good. I I don't need him. Um, But she hasn't had, like, a major, like, dance pop song really in a while. Yeah. And I just felt that Max Martin secret sauce right away. And I'm so excited about it. Gaga and Max Martin is a wonderful match. That's true. It really does feel like Gaga from 10 years ago, yeah. vintage. And it is that Max Martin just really, like, tightly written and produced, and you know what it is. A good and three it's minutes. All, it's all working. Our producer, Erica, and I were listening to it before we started recording because I had uh, not yet heard Stupid Love because I'm not seeking out Lady Gaga singles when they first come out. I guess that says more about me and the phase I am in my life than anything about Lady Gaga. It is very catchy and effective. Yeah. Um, but it, to me, did feel like like old-school Gaga. I agree, and I, I think people are excited about yeah. that. It's it's uh, it's great. She, on her interview with Zane Lowe, um, it's like terrible audio quality. Like she just calls in, like she doesn't even. I, it's just sort of funny. I think she does that. I've now I now think I've heard. Uh, I think Chris Ryan and I were driving to work last year, or I guess it was a year and a half ago, when we um, we timed our drive with the premiere of I think Shallow on Apple Radio, and okay. I also recall Lady Gaga just like calling in for that as well. Like that's I think she just like has a very regimented schedule and won't break it for anything, but will, like, do a phone call wherever she may be. But it was really funny. She was, like, saying how she just, like, stopped being, a, a, to use her words, an a-hole and, like, decided to, like, even to meet Max Martin for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was just interesting. And she, yeah, just I guess she's back. I mean, the song leaked a month ago, 
And she, then it was taken down pretty promptly, but she like took to her Twitter to be like, come on, people, like just don't do this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like a cool moment too, where she's sort of like acknowledging the realities of being a pop star. And and I don't know. I'm just pro Gaga today. Yeah, as performance art, I, yeah. it is interesting. And there aren't that many people who can sustain their performance art at this level right now. Yeah, and it's just, she's a one of one. And then um, one thing I wanted to discuss is her music video much like the recent works of Steven Soderbergh are shot on an iPhone. Con- yes. <laughs> conspicuously so. And then there's like a whole behind the scenes video that I think is from Apple Music as well of like sh- making this video for iPhone or using iPhone and like how they rigged it and everything. Mm-hmm. And does Apple pay for that kind of thing? I, I don't know because I-, I am not privy to the business workings of, you I. know, Apple pop stars or pop stars in general. If I had to guess, I would say yes. I mean, are they paying outright or are they guaranteeing the Zane Lowe right. and the certain placement and all of the things that actually do have financial right, it's like a consequences? Trade. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it is probably in a pop star's interest right now to be in Apple's good graces. Right. So if, if this is you know, as opportunities available and also Apple will promote it and they have more promo. I mean, that has value as well. So I don't know about actual dollar exchange. I would love to find out. Me too. I'm just curious. I've wondered about it with Steven Soderbergh as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, just curious about it. Like, is there some kind of benefit to it? I think I would be surprised if Soderbergh accepted it just because he doesn't like to be beholden to anybody. And my understanding of him shooting on iPhone was just like, my guy doesn't want to work for a second longer than he needs to, which is one of the reasons he's my guy. He's, I mean, he's like editing in the car on the way home. And so the iPhone just makes it more efficient and he can just do whatever he wants and he can put the camera wherever he wants. And so there's like a a freedom and not having to deal with other people that is related to his use of the iPhone. Couldn't relate more. Just really. We love Steven Soderbergh we really around do. here. This is a pro Steven Soderbergh <laughs> podcast. Oh, man. I, think, I miss the Nick every day. Anyway, Lady Gaga, welcome can, back. Can I ask you one more question just sure. to go back to the opinion piece for a second? Yes, which, of course. Which I, I, again, I thought was really well done and I was surprised by how much I like it. And I don't want to get too essentialist here, but do you think that a man could write this about a, a ex-partner who was a woman? Interesting question. And how do you, and do you think it would be received the same way? And does it matter? I, my, I'll go ahead and say I don't think the answer is yes. Yes. I don't think it would be received the same way. Is that unfair or does it matter? One thing I don't have a lot of insight into is the social media tracking consumption of, like, the average man. I feel like I'm way more in touch with that for, like, the average woman, mm-hmm. um, regardless of who they're tracking. But I, I think that, like, there's... There's a reason why Instagram is really popular with women, right? And, like, that's, I mean, one thing I kind of know about it from, like, the being a part of the Bachelor ecosystem right. is, like, Bachelor stars go on to major fame on, on Instagram, but, like, mm-hmm. not on Twitter. So it's, I, I feel not tapped into that. Like, I, I'm not sure. And I do think a crucial part of this is, like, your of, of the opinion piece is, like, what your media diet is like. And obviously social media is a piece of hers. And she also notes, like, I don't follow my, I'm not, I'm not friends with my ex on Facebook. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, a, it's like in the first half of the piece. So I don't know because I don't have a good sense for how men use social media. Okay. So I guess I agree with you. It seems unlikely, but um, I guess not impossible. But it's it's just like a very magnanimous piece, right? Yeah. And I think, I do think that so much of it is is how it's written. And I, shout out to Lindsay Krauss, shout out to her editors in terms of 
picking the right spots. Yeah. Because there could be a nightmare version of this. Totally. And when I saw the headline, I thought it was a real nightmare version of this. And I, I think that's possible for any person, regardless of gender or orientation. I just, I was like, hmm, I wonder, I, you know, I, I wonder if you could get away with this the other way around. There's an element of contentment that runs through it mm-hmm. that I, I'm not sure it works without, you know? Yes. And that's why the ending is so good. Too. Yes. Agree. Okay. I just wanted to. Yeah, I think you're right. Unanswerable questions to borrow from the rewatchables, <laughs> but just wanted to float it. I, I think you're totally right. Um, let's move on to our next New York Times story, which is Nancy Myers' Modern Love column. Nancy Myers wrote a modern love. Do you I want mean, to start with modern love. Sure. Just I assume most people listening to this are familiar with it, but it's a long-running styles column. And it's essentially a a, a personal essay every week. Yes. For for years now. A really long time, like at least 15 years. Yeah, and love is interpreted in many different ways, but it is always a a short essay about some facet of love, and they are wildly popular. It's been turned into a TV show. I I feel like every month one of them goes viral one way or another. Um, Agreed. Do you have feelings about modern love? I used to love it when I was younger. And it was newer. Mm-hmm. I've grown tired of it. But once in a while, I really like it. I like the really sad ones the best. <laughs> That's such a, it's so on brand. <laughs> That's the most Juliet sentence of all time. Um, Yeah. The ones that are really sad, I just like, fuck, I'll read this a lot of times and send it around. Um, Like the ones usually involve death. And I mean, the one the one <laughs> written by the... I'm sorry, but you were just like, you needed to specify that the sad ones, like the ones that involve death. Like, <laughs> all divorces. Sure. Not sad enough for yeah. me. But... Yeah, I mean, I used to read it like religiously, and I've I've stopped, and I I couldn't I couldn't deal with the TV show. Even that I couldn't work for me. I think I'm not as interested in like the universality that they try to project mm-hmm. as I used to be. Right. Well, I think a little bit. This did. It's maybe not pre-internet, but really early internet. Yeah, like, and before we had exposure to high quality personal essays, and also. Stories of people being like, here's how my this little experience teaches us something larger about the world, which are I don't mean to diminish them because that those experiences and essays and can be very moving, but they're like a dime a dozen. You go on Twitter, you yeah. don't anything. We're like, and in a lot of ways, modern love maybe didn't invent it because this is a template in one form or another as old as time, but certainly popularized this this personal essay format. I think also. They used to be written more frequently by, like, just randos from, like, random places who had, like, a story they wanted to share. But they're increasingly over the years. I mean, not all of them. It's still a lot of randos. But, like, just more professional writers write these than they sure. used to. But you're also—we're now used to just reading a yeah. dynamite personal essay from a writer we've never yeah, heard totally. before. That is, like, a career path. We're just kind of, like— this experience isn't as rare as it used to be. And I think Modern Love doesn't get enough credit for— or maybe it gets That's a good point. Pl- maybe it gets plenty of credit, honestly, because it's like wild successful and they made a TV show out of it. And, a, and do you listen to the podcast? I was going to ask you that. I've never listened to it. No, I don't because it's my it's it's famous often actors yeah. reading the essays, right? Yes. I I'm sorry, that's too close to live singing for me <laughs> in terms of intimacy and discomfort. I just I can't. I don't know. No, so no, I don't. 
<laughs> to answer your question. <laughs> I never have either. But do you like modern love? Like, what, what's your appetite for when it? it's great, it's great. Yeah. You know, like, I can be manipulated or moved just like anybody else. And I can also be irate at a bad short story or essay just like anybody else. Yeah. You know, it's hard to do something every week and be great at it. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, so this one from Nancy Myers is basically a Nancy Myers movie. It's yeah. So here's the headline: Life isn't like the movies. Parentheses. Even if you write the movies. Parentheses. Great headline. Let me just go ahead and say this is like the movies. Yes, definitely. It's like is. the movies, and that's great. Shine on, Nancy. You know, it, totally. And it's about her and her the father of um her two daughters connecting and having a friendship. And also her longtime writing partner. Yes, longtime and, writing and, partner. And writing and creative partner. They yes. made movies together for a long time. Yes. And about how they beca- they've like recently become friends, though he, uh, I think they had a fairly acrimonious divorce. It's kind of the subtext. But the like, part that I found thrilling was her acknowledging the different parts of her movies that are based on her marriage, which like you already knew. Like yes. she talks about how, um, and something's got to give her ex, Charles, didn't like the relationship between Erica and Jack Nicholson's character, whose name I can't remember, and between Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. And then how it's complicated, has pieces of them in it as well. And just sort of, and just sort of also um, Nancy acknowledging a lot of the intentionality of her movies. Like, it's just so obvious, but it was just like thrilling to hear her, to read about, to read her acknowledging them. Yes. And it does also have all of the details that you want in a Nancy Myers like totally. movie. Like they go to a wedding and solving together, which for those of you uh, not in Los Angeles is like, Solving is a town close to Santa Barbara, north of Los Angeles, that um, was built by Danish immigrants or a Danish community. And so it has very distinct architecture. Yes. And like a lot of pancake houses. Yes. And and a lot of um, uh, wine tasting available. Yes. Also. Also crucially. But it's like it's definitely just a place that would be in a Nancy Myers movie, in part because many Nancy Myers movies are set in the Santa Barbara area. Yes. I rewatched It's Complicated last week, by the way. We're not talking enough about It's Complicated. I like It's Complicated. I think it might be my favorite. Definitely my favorite house. Yes, also that. I realized that, like, maybe I live in California now because of It's Complicated. <laughs> I think if we just have to, if we're being honest. It's really nice. Okay. It's a really good kitchen. Also, her yeah. ba- her bathroom's amazing. It's really, her Right, Marshall's and then house. she's getting a renovation. Yeah, she's an addition. But I'm just like, you know what? Like, it's, it's perfect. Don't it's, change a thing. My favorite, I, I love the intern for Anne Hathaway's um, clothes and her brownstone. Mm-hmm. I, but yes. it's just, it, they're both wonderful. Right. I mean, the, the aesthetics of Nancy Myers Side are note, unimpeachable. you up on what's happening with Outdoor Voices? Yes, the um, founder got pushed out, right? Yeah, I have no information about this, except that I own a couple pairs of Outdoor Voices leggings. Uh, but it definitely seems like real-life intern to me. It does. Minus I, I the thought, Bob De Niro character. I thought of that as well. <laughs> okay. And she couldn't be saved yeah, by anyway, Robert De Niro. Anyway. Was that supposed to be based on Outdoor Voices? No, about, I think about it's... About the fit? Just just coincidental. No, I think that's Net-A-Porte is what it was supposed to be based on. Oh, that's the company it. that looks... Anyway. Gotcha. No, I think that Outdoor Voices is well after The Intern. I just... I recommend The Intern. Great, too. It's a okay. great, great movie. I reckon I recommend this Nancy Myers uh, modern love column. I do too. It just it was really it was just really great. It was just gratifying having like the dots connected, though you were able to do it yourself mm-hmm. anyway. I, mm-hmm. I loved it, Nancy. You seem great. Keep doing you. Feel make another movie. Yeah, I, I will be there many times in theaters. That's really true. Let's just get another one. What's she doing? That's what I'm saying. Let's do it. Okay, next some royal updates. 
Katie Weaver wrote a magnum opus about the royal Instagram accounts of Will and Kate and Harry and Meghan, um, sort of exploring why they both have 11.2 million followers, though Harry and Meghan seem to be um, the subject of much more intrigue and attention. And it went really deep, a lot lot of data. I believe that Katie herself uh, proclaimed herself the carry on homeland of That's royal hilarious. Instagram. Hilarious. So I think that we may say that it is it is a real, all the things are up on the wall and you're using yarn to connect the dots yes. situation. So I thought, the thing about this, I think that's true. This to me was about how Instagram, the business of Instagram works. Yes. Ultimately. And it does, there is a lot besides all the Harry and Meghan and uh, Will and Kate and also Katie's writing. There's just like a lot of information about how brands and people who want to be brands use Instagram in order to make money. Yeah. And and what the science of that is and how the followers work and how, and I think if it's something that I think you and I kind of know and spend a lot of time, I I just like, I kind of know some of this, but also there are some things that I didn't know. And sure. If, and if you don't know anything about it, or you think that this all seems pretty silly, there actually, there's like a ton of money at stake here. And I think that this piece connects the dots. So it was interesting for that. I would love to know, it it has a lot of theories, but because Instagram won't make its algorithm or its machinations public, doesn't have any answers. Right. I'm curious what you think the answer is, because it's basically like, the gist is Harry and Meghan should have more followers than Kate and Will. I I don't know what the answer is. I I don't have an answer either. I think that there's probably like some buying of followers that happens on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I don't really know. I, I, Yeah. What do you think? One thing that I thought was interesting in the specific Will and Kate versus Harry and Meghan situation was that the piece did indicate that Will and Kate's Instagram is just not run professionally. Yeah. Like it's it's not coded as a public page. It's a personal account. And it just seems like someone might be asleep at the wheel, which I think given what we know about how the various uh, royal PR people have handled the past six months, there are a lot of people asleep at the wheels, so that could make sense. Yeah. So I wondered whether that was part of it. it, They don't really seem organized enough to have launched, like, an intense campaign in order to make sure that Will and Kate have, like, 0.1 million more followers than Harry and Meghan in order to reflect the line of succession. Right. Yeah, I I don't know what the answer is. I also just think that there's, like, a lot of hate towards Harry and Meghan that it's like even if they get a lot of attention doesn't necessarily translate into like into more followers I guess the point is that the trend like the trend line is so in step that it's confusing but it's hard for me to imagine that there's like some grand conspiracy that that Instagram is complicit in I don't know whether Instagram is complicit in it and there might be a conspiracy I just kind of don't think the people running royal Instagram accounts understand social media enough in order to have done that yeah I agree with you and I kind of feel like Harry and Meghan, like, wanting to have control over their messaging was in large part because of reasons like this. Yeah, totally. I have a related question for you that okay. I was thinking about while I was reading this. Because it, it it does a lot of the science of if a post gets this many likes, then it should correspond to this many followers. And right. I thought that stuff was very interesting. But I'm putting you on the spot here a little. Okay. Liking posts from celebrities. Yes. Which I follow you on Instagram, mm-hmm. and we follow a lot of the same things. So I often see that you, and also you are just, you're on Instagram. So, so I will see something, and it's like, Julia Levin has liked it. Tell me about that. Liking stuff from celebrities? Yeah. 
This is my second conversation about it in a week. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know I should have. I said I'm putting you on the spot. I I have no problem with it. Um, Why not? If you like it, just like it. I guess so. But I so I never do this. And I rarely I don't really follow celebrities either for this. The same reason I'm a user of the Explore tab. So I catch most of my celebrity news that way. And then in terms of liking it. Sure. It just. That's not what I understand a like to mean. I, what they, and what is, what are they getting from my like? They don't know. They're me. getting money. They're getting in the I future. They'll be so. able to like sell. They're getting a. They're showing their clout. Um, I just consider it so mindless, and I'm just like tap tap tap. I don't put a lot of thought into it, and I over like things. Like I just like most of the things that come through. I'm just like okay, unless I like actively dislike it. Okay. I don't like to engage with, like, news sources like that, but with, like, celebrities, I'm just like, sure, okay. Okay. I, I like what you're doing. I like celebrities, so I just, you know, just engaging with their content. Okay. And also, I really only follow celebrities that I genuinely like. Like, I don't I don't have a lot of hate follows. So okay. I'm just like, okay. I don't have hate follows either. I'm just I think pe- like, a lot of people do. They don't know me. And so sure. I, maybe I'm overthinking this, but I really, or I think we're Maybe both, I'm underthinking no, it. No, I think it's, this is just like deep, we're telling on ourselves, like psychological <laughs> revelations, which is always the case on, on this podcast. But I'm kind of like, I'm only going to really like something because I want this person to know that I like it. You right. know, and otherwise just, it's like, there's there's no communication. It's like I was never there, which I, I understand is also a really weird I, yeah, I, I guess I just don't value it that much. I do care a lot more about who's looking at my stories than who's liking my posts. Okay. I'm, like, way way more invested in that. Also, a comment, way, way more value than a like. Yes, I'll comment more than I'll like. But I, I if I comment, I'm going to like. I'm not a monster. Sure. Like, I understand how this works, but I'm not commenting on celebrities' Instagram. Sure. I think that I also don't like athlete Instagrams anymore. Like, those are, like, just way too performative for me and I sort yeah. of like the dumb celebrity stuff or the really like transparent celebrity stuff of, like you're doing this for money or whatever do you comment on celebrity Instagrams no okay I don't right. I don't know I just bl- I just like pretty free, freely like things I'm just like 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 okay I, I just just keep it moving but I'm also just like I was sick I spent a sick amount of time on Instagram like it's horrible I also spend a sick amount of time on Instagram but I'm not participating which is like maybe worse I don't know. I don't I don't think things are good or bad. I just think it okay. it is. But I also I've been doing a lot of personal auditing of my own social media and like archiving stuff for my page or I, I've just been thinking a lot about like what am I personally putting out there? But I don't think about that for other people nearly as much. But I go back and I look at some of my stuff and I'm just like, this is really embarrassing. I think that's just a that's just a great thing to isolate and to remind and not just on social media. I feel like you and I have had this conversation before, but you know, I also I, I haven't really been archiving my social media. I'm just kind of like not really engaging with it. But um, the amount of time that I spend worrying about other aspects of my life versus <laughs> worrying about what other people are doing, you know, I think that's true for everyone. It's nice to remember that like no one actually cares as much about whatever you're stressed out about no, as you do. Very few people are going back to my post from 2016 and being like, what was she thinking? But yet here I am being like, fuck, what was I thinking? <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe it's freeing to know that that no one really else cares. Sure. Another what were they thinking? Yeah. Bon Jovi and oh Harry. God. What I'm, were they thinking when they sang segue. together? Great segue. Um this, this video really rocked you. This is this is extremely uncomfortable. I, I think we all know how I feel about singing. And if you're not a professional singer, it's even worse. And I just have to say that this is not the most natural environment for Harry, and it shows. 
They did this for charity, correct? Yes. For, uh, for in Scotland, right? Was it Abbey Road Studios? Oh, you're right. It was Because then Abbey Road. they went and they like acted out the Beatles yes. Abbey Road cover. Yes, you're right. Uh, again, not the most natural. But I, it, it's for a charity single for the Invictus Games, which is um, Harry's charity that um, I, I think that he founded. And so the song isn't out yet, but it will be at some point. I am concerned that Prince Harry's singing on it. Though, you know, they can do a lot in the studio. The so British, maybe it's the okay. British charities just fucking love an all-star song. I mean, it's just kind of insane. They do at least a lot, at least like two per year. <laughs> but uh, it's embarrassing and just sort of weird. I don't know. The whole thing is very strange. I don't really, I don't really understand how it ended up being uh Bon Jovi, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I you know what? The Invictus games seem lovely and it's cool to at least this is like has a purpose and is for a message, you know, as sure. opposed to to the other Harry and Meghan kind of being in limbo. But it just still kind of feels like they're in limbo right now. Totally. It's it's an awkward time for everybody. I saw an article in, in The Telegraph today that said that their neighbors on Vancouver Island, it's like 10,000 people in this town, and they there's like all these like city council petitions to put up new hedges and plant new trees, to like give them more privacy. And I thought that was just really nice. I'm like happy for Harry and Meghan. How lovely that their new community is coalescing around them. And feels protective of them. Yeah. Probably, yes. And also probably protective of themselves, but. Well, they're not getting that Canadian money for their security. So perhaps they'll have some Canadian trees. Yeah. I'm happy for them. <laughs> um, that was also a piece of the Kanye West story that was in the New York Times over the weekend, also in the style section. Um, I thought another great headline, Kanye out West. It was about Kanye West in Wyoming. Um it was very much about like the town where he lives, which was called Cody, Wyoming, mm-hmm. and just sort of about how he's how he's bought a ranch there. And similarly, people seem to like him there. They don't seem to be like be rejecting him. And he also is like more around, like it's mentioned in the article that like other billionaires, because obviously Wyoming is like Jackson Hole is a major billionaire vacation destination. So it's not like Kanye West discovered Wyoming. Right. Not like any famous person discovered Wyoming. It's right. been there for a while with Native people and then um, new people who've come in, you know, <laughs> anyway. Yes. But it just seems like this is like a, a less adversarial relationship than Kanye West has had in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that interesting. Obviously, his Sunday service has brought some attention to the fact that he's in Wyoming. He like flew people out there. But he seems committed to it. He's like committed to his ranch and like living there and stuff. And um, I just thought it was, I just thought it was interesting. It's like, there wasn't like a ton of like new stuff in it, but it was sort of a calmer and like less riled up look at Kanye West than we've gotten in a really long time. And for some reason that was notable to me. Right. It just like, there wasn't like a element of like, let's explain this adversarial relationship where Kanye West is like doing stuff, you know? It does seem like a lot of it is about Wyoming yes, itself, it is. and to the extent that it kind of has sought out just kind of a less fraught environment, and it it takes the temperature down of the coverage of him in general. Yes, totally. So, it it was like the first good PR. I thought that he and it wasn't perfect. Like he still like will call people like in like city government to like help him with stuff, but <laughs> whatever. I mean that's just rich person privilege. But I just thought it was like. It was also not particularly focused on the Kardashian angle of Kanye, which has been a major part of his coverage of the last two years for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just was sort of like, I was like, huh, are we back around on Kanye West? Is this, is that what's happening? But I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I'm still, I, I think I'm done with Kanye emotionally, personally. Okay. But, um, you know, I thought, it, I thought it was interesting. If you're 
I think being done with him emotionally is valid. Wishing him health and yes. and wellness and then not being on the ride anymore. I'm also there. If he came out with another great album, would your heart be open to it? Yeah, I mean... Do you think he's kind of gone through the whole celebrity complex of it all and now can maybe just be an artist? Or, I mean, this is the thing is that Kanye has always been extricable from his celebrity. I think that he's not interested in, like, just doing the art. Like, for as much as he says, like, Mm -hmm. I want to, like, create this and that, that. I don't think that's what he's interested in. Mm -hmm. And if, if it were the case... I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. But I don't I don't think it is. And so also by virtue of being in the Kardashian family, it's like basically an impossibility. So there's a, an aspect of commercialism and celebrity that's like just unavoidable. Yes. So I don't think that's possible. But, you know, Kanye West is such a, he's just been the lightning rod for so long. Yes. And yeah. I don't Can know. I ask you one last question? Yes, of course. Really probing questions from you today. Well, this is another one. So how are you about kind of mountains? I don't really know that about you. Um, Do you want to move? I mean, we are West, but, and I guess technically this would be East for us from Los Angeles, but the American West. Low density living is really unappealing to me. Okay. I don't. True. A child of New York. Yes. I don't. Low density living is like for like one week at a time. Okay. Maybe a maximum of of three. But like, I, I, I get like panic attacks if I'm, if I'm like not near other strangers. Mm -hmm. Have I ever told you uh, my response to going to, Montana for the first time, which was kind of my first experience with the American West. What was it? So we're, we were, uh, my husband and I went to Montana and we were driving along one of those like, you know, kind of majestic, beautiful, yeah. high, the, the highways and the plains go on forever. I think they're planes. If it's something else, I don't know. I'm not like a geologist. Sorry. And I, I just started feeling panic because I was like, where do you hide? Yeah. Where do you hide? And I don't really know what that instinct is. You hide in plain sight. don't think that I walk around all the time being like, where do I hide? But there was something about the openness. And I just was like, if I an enemy were coming, I would know that they were coming forever and I wouldn't know what to do and there would be nowhere to hide. And I found it very unnerving. And I thought that that was an unusual and unexpected response sure. to the beauty of Montana. Montana, I went to a wedding in Montana. It was lovely. We drove to Yellowstone to go to the Wyoming border to say mm-hmm. we went to Wyoming. That was very nice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I don't have a lot of interest. I okay. think it's lovely and I'm happy for the people who live there and like feel like um, strengthened by the great American West, mm-hmm. but I don't really feel that way. I also am more of a beach person. Yeah, more of a beach person. And also being in the car for long stretches like really doesn't appeal to me. And that's sort of part of that lifestyle. Yeah. So I don't really want to be in the car. I don't even like going to like the desert here which or like the mountains here. I mean, it's, it seems nice, but I was at an Ojai for a night and I was like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, I'm not a naturalist. I'm sorry, John Muir. It's just not... <laughs> just not who I am. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's, I wanted to get us to a place where you declared that you were not a naturalist, and now I'm out of questions. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to Jam Session. We'll be back next week. 